0: Would you open God's precious holy word to 2 Chronicles 15 and also 1 Kings 15. We'll get there by the time, God willing, by the time we get to the end of this study here tonight. Um, Zadiah the prophet. There was David, Solomon, Rehoboam, Abijah. So we're that far removed from David, and many decades have passed since David was king. The King Essa is a reformer, much better than his father was as king. He, he, I'll put it this way. He doesn't end well, but for the most part, he had a very uh, good reign as king. And he led the people into a, uh, a time of repentance, reform, where he removed idols and did away with things that his father had allowed to be built or to happen. So, the land, so Yahweh says, you know, he gave them peace. Now Azariah, the prophet, comes along and has a message for the people of Judah. We cannot help but remember that the, the people of Judah in general, the son of David, the Davidic line in, in specific, carry the promise of the Christ and there are many lessons here for the people of God to learn the nations of the world as we'll see here in this passage Um, for us to to find uh, peace in life and uh, and to find an enriched life that uh, Yahweh would send our way provided certain things. So here we are, we're going to find out about that. Beginning in chapter 15, second Chronicles, and verse 1. The spirit of Elohim was upon Azariah, the son of Odid. And he went out before Asa and said to him, Hearken to me, Asa, and all of Judah and Benjamin. So apparently, as the prophet, as the anointed prophet, He's going across the land and people are hearing his message, but he specifically brings his message to the king as well. Yahweh is with you because you are with him. And if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Now, many, many years later, Jeremiah says something like this in Jeremiah. But it states a principle uh, to kings and to leaders and to nations uh, that Yahweh can be found if you seek him. And he will forsake you if you forsake him. A specific promise here, however... To the southern kingdom of Judah. He will be found by you if you seek him. Now, there is an implication here, or a warning perhaps, from the prophet, and because of what is said here to all of Judah and Benjamin, it it leads me to believe that he's, as I said earlier, moving across the land prophesying. And this is the crux of his message. So it, 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 it makes me tend to think that, uh, as of course is always the case, people have to be constantly reminded of the importance of the relationship that we have with Yahweh. Especially here, his people in the Old Testament, and of course his people all the way through time, the New Testament, the church. He will be found by you. It's telling us, the prophet is saying to them, that there was a time when Yahweh was not near to them. But then there was a time that Yahweh is sought by them. You'll find him. You want him. You'll find him. That's what the prophet is saying. Now, what happens What happens here, when we look at this, what happens when uh, Yahweh is lost to the people in a sense and the people have to seek after him thus to find him, what happens in that time of of lostness, of separation, of of dysfunction? Well, there uh, three things are mentioned here in verse three. Now there were many days for Israel Number one, without the true God. So they they were pursuing other gods. And those activities that attend to the worship of those other gods. That, of course, begets uh, idolatry, uh, graven images, and horrible behavior, behavior that is absolutely forbidden, especially in the book of Leviticus. So Canaanite rituals, religion, and so-called worship are coming in a, a new, a different culture. Specifically, the law had forbidden these things. They weren't supposed to mix with these people Because this very thing would happen Their uh, Their religion which carried with it uh, A bad A terrible behavior Was very uh, It drew the people in And the people Let their guards down a little bit And then Within just a generation or less than that They are in full-fledged worship Of these false gods and goddesses So you seek him You will find him Well, what what do they seek, number one? They well, three things is what was lost to Israel And they're listed here in verse 3 There are many days for Israel, number one, when they did not have in their hearts the pursuit of the true and living God. What happens when you are committed and dedicated to the true and living God? Well, number one, you revere his word. And number two, you're active in worship, in worshiping him. Number three, you are very, very um, interested in his word. And the word sometimes requires an instructor. So here it is. For many days, number one, they were, they were without the true God. Well, if you don't pursue the true God, his word means nothing. The worship of the true God means nothing. Um, the things of God, uh, obedience to whatever he has said, those things are nothing. But if in their pursuit, they, they, if you pursue the true God, many days they were without the true God. But they found, the, or they returned, they found the true God. The true and living God. What brings about this restoration, this reformation, is the conviction in the king's heart, ISIS heart. We've seen this already. We'll see it some more here uh, in just a minute, because the king becomes very adamant in the destruction of the idols and, uh, and so forth to bring reform into the southern kingdom of Judah. So to return to the true and living God means that you're going to have to forsake anything akin to a false God. Idolatry, graven images, doing those strange things in the groves and on the high places that, that people did which brought about that really crazy behavior she's going to forsake all that in forsaking that now okay what is what is demanded of me by the true and living God so they go back to the Torah it's the only Bible they had back then Genesis Exodus Leviticus Numbers Deuteronomy that's what they had so they go to the Torah and there they begin to read and some of it they don't understand okay here's a here's a burnt offering here's a guilt offering here's a meal offering here's all peace offering Okay, how am I going? Well, see, this had been lost. Look what the Holy Spirit says through the, through the chronicler here. Many days for Israel without these things. Well, that's a, that's a fairly strong description coming from the Holy Spirit, which means it was a long time that Israel had removed itself From the worship of the true and living God, which means they didn't know the true and living God. Now, in order to know the true and living God, they must return to the word of God. It starts with creation, right? In the book of Genesis. And and then it goes through the patriarchs and, and the history of who they were as people and how he was their God. He entered into a covenant with them. Uh, He cares for them. He promised them a land. He's brought them to the land, but he gives them the warnings, especially the Ten Commandments. So now they return. Not only do they find in seeking him the true and living God, they discover the importance of the Torah, the Bible. They, they, They discover the importance of the Bible in their lives. But there are things they don't know. Now you and I have seen in previous studies. How. uh, The priesthood. One part. And we've seen it. Just recently. The priesthood was from. Ages 20 to 50 of the Levites. And then another place says from 25 to 50. Which means they were five years in training. So the high priests who were the head of the whole thing in the temple. The high priest was the main guy. The Levites were ministers, but they worked worked under the direction of the high priest and the sons of the high priest, the sons of Aaron. There was obviously a methodology of instruction to the Levites about what all of these things meant, what, how they were to be done, number one, and in doing those things in a certain way uh, with regard to the law, in doing those things and in obeying the law and in offering a sacrifice, here are, here are the particulars about it. This is why these, this is important. This is who you are, this is who God is. And as a priest, this is who I am between you and God. And the sacrifice is representative of some very important aspect of your life. And, and you need to understand the, the gravity of what you're doing here. Uh, and it would be explained. So they return to the true and living God. They go immediately to his word, obviously. How else are you going to know him? And then they are instructed when they naturally gravitate to the temple... The temple is, is filled with Levites uh, who are there to assist and to help and direct worship and to assist in, in offering sacrifices and so forth. So there they, uh, they, will, they will instruct them. So you seek the word of God and now you receive, the, you, you, you receive the instruction of the teaching priests, the Levites. What we understand here is that that had been lost For a time. But I'm I'm sure. There were there was a methodology. That. uh, The priesthood would go through. For those five years of training. And. So that this was all being obviously re implemented. And the people were coming back together. In their pursuit of their covenant relationship with the true and living God, the true God. And so I have in read through this, what happened to the people. So the first thing they returned to Yahweh, the God of Israel, when they were in distress And they sought him, and he was found by them. There were times when in distress, they did not seek Yahweh, the God of Israel. Now, when you speak of Yahweh, the God of Israel, you go back and you Discover the covenant that he has made with his people and other various covenants within the great covenant, and not the least of which was the covenant of the land of promise. And in Deuteronomy, the laws of blessing and cursing, um, all of that, which they would have not been familiar with it, having not pursued him for so long, and they are ignorant of the love and the strength of God and His covenant for His people and they're ignorant of the importance of the relationship uh, that God's people are to have and the protection and the love and so forth that God directed toward His people. This, this had been lost to them. But we go back to Asa the king and he implements these reformations and now and we'll see this as we go through what we're looking at tonight. This uh, this excites the people. They, when you when you listen, when God Almighty breaks the bond of of sin, which is slavery, in your life, you will find true joy to be released. From the horrors of sin and the consequences of sin. uh, Blatant, willful disobedience and rebellion against God. So, because of the reforms that were being implemented and now the things that are happening, they returned to Yahweh, the God of Israel. When they were in distress, they sought him. He was found by them. And in those times, there was no peace for anyone Going or coming for there were great Turmoils upon all the inhabitants of the Lands now these these would be the Surrounding nations Grace of God In the time, in their time of Sin They were Vulnerable To attack But remember they carry the promise of the Christ Yahweh Must protect them to a certain to to a, to a, to the extent that uh, the line of David is protected, and the Jews as a whole, the people of Judah, are protected specifically uh, because of God's promise to bring the Christ of God into the world through the line of David as the son of David. So how are they how are they protected when they're Growing, growing again in their faith and in their rediscovery of Yahweh, uh, the God of Israel. How, how, what's happening? How are they protected? God sends trouble into the surrounding nations. Verse six, nation was crushed by nation and city by city. Because Elohim discomfited them with all troubles. Now this is the prophet still speaking. They are busy fighting one another. Yahweh has turned their attention away from you. While you are regrown in your faith. And while everything comes back together again. The way that it should be between Yahweh and his people, Israel, but you be strong and let your hands not slacken for there is reward for your work. It takes, it takes effort and time. to to be committed to the true and living God. A piece of the day has to be laid aside to acknowledge him, to pray to him, to ask him for things, to be obedient to his word, to study his word so that you will know how to be obedient and to go and receive instruction regarding his word These things take time. They take effort. So this was a work in a sense that uh, the southern kingdom of Judah was charged with. Continue your work. Continue your effort. Lay aside the time that is required. It took a lot of time to make all of the burnt offerings that were required. It took a lot of time. You couldn't just throw something in the pickup truck and run down to, you had to find that thing and then the best one, you had to run everything through an examining process and you had to take the best one and then you had to take it to where you were supposed to take it and then you had to kill it and then you had to do the other thing. That took time. But these offerings, especially the burnt offerings, was something that was extremely important in the life of an Israelite with regard to his commitment to his God, Yahweh. Be strong and let your hands not slacken, for there is reward for your work. We forward that into the time of the church. Built, grace, saves us we're saved by grace through faith not by our works we can't boast about it but we are saved unto good works in other words the the identification of who we are and the reality of uh, of what we are as as believers works itself out in our lives in some way by the gift of the holy spirit uh, and, and whatever and however uh, yeah, uh, God Almighty works it out. The Spirit of Christ in our lives. Well, this is here. They will be rewarded for their work. It's, it's kind of, is a little different, but it's kind of the same. But, but there was a work for them to do. Now, among that would be the, the burnt offering. You can restudy that sometimes and see how how many times... On their calendar, they were required to make a burnt offering, and what the burnt offering was was all about. That's we see something about that here in this passage. So now in Second Chronicles fifteen and verse eight, when Isa heard these words and the prophecy Odid the prophet, he strengthened himself and removed the abominations. For what now audited was the father. There's, a, there's an interesting, I'm not going to get into the Hebrew syntax of the whole thing. But apparently Odin was also a prophet and the prophecy, the same spirit of prophecy falls upon his son. And his son, Azariah, makes his way through the land and finally the king. The prophecy of Odin, the prophet, he strengthened himself. So the next thing that happens is that he is reinvigorated in his service to Yahweh and who he is before Yahweh. He is a son of David. The next thing that happens is he removed the abominations from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities that he had captured from Mount Ephraim. Next thing he does is, is what I was mentioning a while ago. He renewed the altar of Yahweh, which was in front of the vestibule of Yahweh, which is the temple at the temple. And that is the altar where burnt offerings were made. A burnt offering, I guess, in terms that we can identify with. A burnt offering was a, was a voluntary thing, in a sense, when you made it a, a beyond and apart from the calendar of burnt offerings. It was, a, it was an offering that acknowledged our nature of sin, our fallen nature of sin. It would acknowledge the sinful nature that we have, and in the acknowledgement of that, it also was an expression of absolute devotion And commitment to Yahweh, the true and living God. When that thing was offered, the skin of the offering was reserved for the Levites. But when they took the offering itself, it was filleted and just torn open completely inside out so that nothing of any part of the entrails or anything else of the animal would be hidden. It was all exposed. So the worshiper essentially was saying, I am not hiding a thing from you, Yahweh. I understand that it's my nature and tendency to fall into sin, but I want to be committed to you And in that commitment, I don't want anything in my life hidden from you. That was the burnt offering. The burnt offering is by far mentioned more in the Bible, especially the Old Testament, than any other offering. The first offering that's mentioned in the Bible is in Genesis 8, which was the offering that Noah made. And it was a burnt offering, an offering of absolute commitment and acknowledgement of the sin problem. And a commitment to do the best we can not to hide anything from Yahweh. So what does he do? He renewed the altar of Yahweh, which was in front of the vestibule of of Yahweh. And he gathered all of Judah and Benjamin and those dwelling with them from Ephraim and Manasseh and from Simeon. For many of Israel had defected to them when they saw that Yahweh, the, the Lord their God, was with them. So now you have these people in the northern kingdom... Who are sensitive to the importance of the worship of Yahweh. They are sensitive to the worship of the temple. Which is in Jerusalem in the southern kingdom. So they have to come out of their land in order to join uh, in this this special time of, of rededication, reformation, and worship. So many from the northern kingdom defected and came down when they saw the revival in the hearts and lives of people. In the southern kingdom, they gathered to Jerusalem in the third month of the 15th year of Asa's reign. So, this was a big deal, a big time of of worship and commitment. They sacrificed to Yahweh on that day of the plunder that they brought cattle, 700, sheep, 7,000. And here's the next thing that happens they entered the covenant to seek. Yahweh, the God of their forefathers, the God of their fathers, with all of their heart and with all of their soul. Now look at this. Whoever would not seek Yahweh, Elohim, Yahweh the God of Israel, shall be put to death from the smallest to the greatest, whether man or woman. Boy, that's a strong invitation, isn't it? I can see it now. The invitation comes and well-armed deacons stand at the entrance of every door having already discovered those who have never repented. Ooh, I don't know if I'd like that or not. Um, I really wouldn't like that at all. But if you didn't commit yourself to Yahweh, I mean, this is how serious this king took this. And this is how serious he expected his people to take it because they were on the brink of destruction. if you don't get on board you get put to death from the smallest to the greatest whether man or woman. And they swore to Yahweh with a loud voice and with shouting I would do," And with trumpets and with uh, Shofar, the rams horn, the Shofar. And all Judah rejoiced. Here's the next thing as a result. All Judah rejoiced over the, they were happy. They were They were released from sin and the ugly things they'd been doing because they had sworn with all their heart and they sought him with all their will. And he was found by them and Yahweh gave them rest from round about. The rest of the world is falling apart, but not God's people, not the southern kingdom of Judah. And so this continues here. And also Maaka, king Asa's mother, he deposed her from being the queen because she had made a frightful image for an Asherah, a consort to a god. It It would have been a horrible thing. And Asa cut off her image, crushed it and burnt it in the Kidron Valley. The high places, however, were not removed from Israel, but Asa's heart was perfect in all his days. And he brought the hallowed objects of his father And his own hallowed objects to the house of Elam, silver, gold, and vessels. These had been withheld. When they shouldn't have been with, that was not the way of King David. But now they're released into the uh, the temple. And there was no war until the 35th year of Asa's reign. Now here's how 1 Kings 15 uh, portrays this. Also, Maachah, his mother, he removed from being queen, for she had made a frightful image for an Asherah. And Asa cut off her image and burnt it in the Kidron Valley. The high places he did not remove, but Asa's heart was complete with Yahweh all of his days. And he brought his father's consecrated things and his own consecrated things into the house of Yahweh silver and gold and vessels. So, as an example and an illustration to his people, he doesn't hold anything back. Stuff that was worth lots of money. The riches of his own personal temple, his own personal treasury uh, that he had inherited and then that he had built up. But nope, it's not mine. It's supposed to go to the house of Yahweh. And that's where he took it. Well, we're going to stop there and uh, have our deacon prayer time.